of days where maybe we even feel somewhat defeated, God, you're still on the throne. And you're encouraging and you're stirring our hearts. You're bringing us together and you're renewing uh, in our spirits just a passion and a desire for you. And God, we truly declare that in spite of everything that's gone on in this world, that's going on in this world, you reign above everything. That you're not defeated, that you're still moving forward, you're still building your kingdom, you're still advancing. And God, I thank you so much for the privilege we have to come and worship you within this space. I pray, Lord Jesus, that as we look into your word now, that you would would anoint my lips and that you would use this time for your um, predetermined purposes. And I pray, Lord, that you would just bless uh, these next moments that we share together. Thank you for a wonderful celebration and coming together. And thank you for these moments that we're about to lean into. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Man, what a great uh, morning we've had so far. And I want to encourage you, after church is done, you don't have to rush out of this place. Uh, We ordered, I think the number is 1,000, 1,000 Timbits for after church. And so, yeah, you're welcome. Congratulations. Uh, If you want to stick around for coffee and a fellowship time, uh, we would love for you just to linger. And uh, we've got some other things happening later today we'll talk about in in just a few moments. But uh, it's going to be, it has been a great morning and it will continue to be and invite you to, to stick with it. You know, I don't know about you, but I am really looking forward to summer. And this morning, as we were planning uh, our services out, the idea of coming together uh, into one service, for me, was a marker because it was saying that summer is on its way. We sensed for a variety of reasons that this morning was the right time to do it. And so as we look forward, uh, we're anticipating that this summer is going to be really special for a number of reasons. And we're excited about that. And I think as long as things don't get too smoky, or as long as uh, we have an opportunity to, to come together and gather together and be outdoors and, and get away and have fun uh, as family and friends as we love to do, we have every reason to anticipate that this summer is going to be great. But I want to say that I think there's another reason, and we're going to talk about this this morning, that my sense is, is that God wants to do something special for us in this next season, and it's going to come as we draw closer to Him and spend time with Him and, and, and sort of renew our commitment in our, in our walk with Jesus uh, in these coming days, and we're going to talk about that this morning. When I was a little kid, we used to love to get away, and specifically in the summer after my dad was an accountant growing up, well, he still is, I guess, but after a busy season, we knew that when school was finished and, and tax time was done and all of these things that we had some really special gifts as a family that were going to come our way. And one of them was holidays. One of the spaces we used to love to go to when I was a kid, and my parents still go to this day, is the South Okanagan. And when I was a little boy, we'd go to a place called Okanagan Falls on the south end of Skaha Lake and would spend a week there with, ex- with my parents and sister and extended family and some friends and just uh, downshift and change gears to have some really special time together. My parents are still going to that region, a different motel now, but that same region. And it's like 42 or 41 years that they've gone to this area and experienced refreshment from God. And you know what? Growing up, those holidays weren't necessarily fancy. The hotel that we stayed in was called the South Shore Motel. It was kind of a mom-and-pop shop, really simple and really kind of even humble in, its, in, its, in, the, you know, in what it was. But it was on the lake, 
And there was a little beach, and so every day we would get up, and my dad would go golfing with my uncles, and uh, we would just go to the beach and play around in the sand. I'd row my little rowboat in the water, and uh, we had a lot of fun together. One time during the week, typically, we would go to the water slides up in Penticton, and a couple of times through the week, we would go for ice cream at a place called Tickleberries and just have a great time together as a family. But more than anything, what was special wasn't the things that we did Rather, it was a whole lot of time together as just the Moors. And I think similar to my experience as a kid growing up, if we were to survey the children of our church, the kids who were on stage this morning, if we said, what would make a great holiday this summer? More than the right destination or a great program or even a perfect setting. If I said to our kids, what if you could just have a week with mom and dad? where life disconnected, where devices got put away, where, where you could just be together. I don't think it would matter so much what we did or what they did, but if they could invest deeply into relationship and be present with one another, I think we would experience an old-fashioned type of refreshing and renewal that so many of us need in our souls. This morning, we're continuing on in our series called Small Books and Big Messages, and we're looking at, looking at a passage that I hope is going to be meaningful to us, and I believe that God is using, He used it in my life recently, and I think, I'm hoping and praying that He's going to use it again in our lives to remind us and to refresh us about some really important pieces in the way that we walk with Jesus and the way that we spend time uh, walking in God's light, looking to Him together. And so if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to open them. We're looking at 1 John this morning, and we're looking for verses, uh, chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to go down to chapter 2, verse 2. And I'm going to read this for us, and then we'll spend a few minutes dissecting this and pulling this apart. 1 John, chapter 1. You're going to see overtones here back to John, chapter 1, the gospel of John. You'll be able to sense it in the beginning here. As John uh, here, the Apostle John, scholars believe, is addressing uh, churches around the area of Ephesus and speaking to some critical needs and critical pieces in their lives. Let's read God's word together. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out of the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. The Apostle John, who scholars believe wrote this, this book, is addressing a church that he loves, 
But like many good leaders in this world who have authority and who have a relationship with their people, he gets right to business as he sees a critical need in the heart of the church that was disrupting it and, and causing it to go astray. And the issue was, was that there was a deviation in the true gospel. They had started to believe lies, and these lies were creeping them in and, 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 and bringing them to what I would call religious places, things that were getting added to the gospel instead of relationship places where they were one with God. And there started to be this twist in what the true gospel message was, and out of a realization for the importance of an identity in Christ, and out of a realization of what was taking place, John speaks very strongly to these people and addresses something that was critical uh, in their lives. A couple of months ago, our men's prayer group was reading through these, uh, many of these texts that we're going through uh, in the previous few weeks and in the weeks to come. And as we were reading through these passages, we realized that these ancient words still remain very powerful and very true in our lives today. That as the bride of Christ, sometimes there are messages that creep in. Sometimes there are things that are said, um, images that are placed into our mind that aren't from us or even, uh, that are even not from God, that pervert or distort the true way that God wants to connect with us or the true way that we are, we are to uh, understand our relationship with Him. Some years ago when we were going to the Okanagan, one of the rhythms that developed that was always fun was in the mornings, my dad would get up early. And by early, I probably mean 8 o'clock. I'm not totally sure. But he would get up early, and he'd go out golfing with, with some of my uncles and uh, with some family friends that had been family friends for generations. And as they went out golfing, and as I grew older, sometimes I would get invited along. And I always longed to be a part of what was going to take place that morning. And so when my dad said, hey, son, do you want to come with us? I was like the first one in the car ready to go. In the early years, uh, I was a caddy, and I used to love to terrorize golf courses around the South Okanagan as I always was pedaled to the metal in that golf cart and tried to, uh, you know, um, uh, what do you call it, slide around corners and, uh, and see how fast I could make that little golf cart to go. The other thing I, I learned early was that it was a lot of fun to mess with people's games. And my one uncle specifically, my Uncle Jim, who was a little bit um, tense in life, I would say, a little uptight, I knew that when he was in his backswing, if I did something to him, I could mess with his game, and not just for that hole, but likely for the rest of the, of the whole golf game, the nine or 18 holes, however many they would pray, play. And so oftentimes, when my uncle was in his backswing, I would yell out as loud as I could, four or I'd roll a golf, a golf ball between his legs. Or as he put his ball down on the green sometimes, I would go and just step on it and make it dent and imprint into the green. I knew if I could get into his head that I would mess not just with that hole, but for the whole game. And yes, we would laugh and have fun, but I could always get in there. And I think very similarly, Satan uses this tactic when it comes to us and as we live out our faith. He knows that if he can get into our head, if he can twist just a little bit of truth and put a question mark in our mind and the way that we connect and the way that we relate with Jesus, he can mess with us oftentimes not just for a moment, but sometimes for a significant period of time. He loves to mess with us. 
And a tactic that he often uses is to place a question mark in our minds about our relationship with God based out of the things that we've done or the things that we've said based out of our actions and cause us to believe that somehow we've disqualified ourselves from tender relationship with God or somehow we've removed ourselves from the blessing of God and the favor of God and relationship of God based on what's taken place. And we see this all the time um, in, in different places in Scripture. Back even to the creation account, when Eve was tempted by Satan in the garden to eat the, the, the fruit from the tree of life of good and evil, what did Satan say to her? He, she said, I can't eat that fruit when he tempted her. And he said, did God really say that? We talked about this a few months ago, but as we were reading this passage this week, I felt like it was important again to speak into this because I think very similarly today, when it comes to our walks with Jesus, we need to be reminded of who we are in him again. Theologians call this positional sanctification. It's the fact that because of Jesus Christ, everything has been accomplished for us to live in a pure, whole, true, wholesome relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. When God looks at you and when he looks at me, he doesn't see the mistakes that we make. Instead, he sees the radiant white bride of Christ. He sees his children whom he loves. He sees his children who he takes great, great delight in. He sees people who have a blessing upon them, and that blessing comes because of Jesus and not because of anything we've done. And friends, I think there's a calling on our church in these days, and there's a calling that comes from this passage to embrace this in a fresh way again, just as John was calling out to that early church around Ephesus to do the same. Because when we embrace and when we live into the truth of who we truly are in Jesus or, and, and, and the relationship that we can have with God because of who Jesus is, we live in much richer and much fuller ways, much more, uh, a, a deeper blessing, I would say, because we understand our true identity. And when Satan whispers into us, you're not good enough, the question mark that comes to our mind is not a message from Satan, but rather it's the truth of Jesus Christ saying, it, that doesn't make sense because I know who I am in the Lord Jesus Christ. When things come into our mind like you need to work harder to earn more of God's favor, when things come into our mind like you need to be better or you need to say the right things, friends, uh, it doesn't make sense to us anymore because we've lived into who God created us to be and who and the way that God sees us. The thought that we're disqualified from relationship doesn't make sense because we know we've been that we know that in Jesus we've been forgiven. And what, God, what John says to us here, specifically in verses 3 and 4, is that when we live into this, when we embrace this, when we proclaim the unity that we find with God because of Jesus, look what it says here at the end of verse 4. It says, our joy will be made complete. And I would say that this is one of the blessings of the Christian life. These are really hard days that we live in. Last week, we were up at our district conference up in St. Albert, uh, Dylan's uh, home church, and had a great time there. And as Brent Trask, our former district superintendent, or our outgoing superintendent, as he started off the session, he said to us, he's like, this, the last three years have been really hard, but the anticipation of the next 10 is that it's, gonna, it's going to remain to be uh, challenging and difficult. And as discouraging as that might be, friends, that doesn't mean that we're defeated. 
but instead as people who have a relationship and fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, our joy will be made complete despite the circumstances that are around us or the circumstances that are in front of us because Jesus has accomplished something for us that we never could have accomplished ourselves. The blessing and unity in the days that are coming are going to be fantastic and blessed and amazing because Jesus has brought us into relationship with the almighty God of the universe. And circumstances won't defeat us in spite of what, in spite of what the devil tries to, to get us to believe. Instead, as we come together like we're doing this morning, as we come before the almighty God of the universe and we bow down before him and worship him and pray to him and look to him, He is going to fill us in a fresh way, and it's going to bring joy and refreshment. Not only that, that fellowship is going to come as believers together who identify with the true gospel, with the message of Jesus. And I just sense that as I was reading this this week and as we were studying and preparing for this morning, that we needed to receive this in a fresh way, that we needed to have a fresh take or a fresh perspective to the reality that we're not out of the race. Sin can sideline us, yes, friends, but we are children of God who've been forgiven. And our identity in God isn't an identity that's defeated. Rather, it's an identity that's whole because of the Lord Jesus Christ's work in our lives. When we're firmly established in our mind of who we are in God, it helps us, it refreshes us, it makes our joy complete. And we can live without defeat because we know that greater is he who's in us than he who's in this world. We know that at the end of the day, at the end of this book, the victory comes to Jesus. And it gives us endurance. It gives us perspective. It gives us joy that I think we need to be renewed in again. Can I speak to some people in this room for a moment? And I have have nobody in mind when I say this. But I think you need to hear that you're still close with God. That when God looks upon you, he doesn't scowl or he isn't embarrassed. I think you need to hear that that God isn't ashamed of who you are. That the almighty God of the universe loves you, friend. Yeah, life's had some messy moments. Life has been hard. You've made some mistakes. But that doesn't mean that you've lost relationship with God. And as someone who's been in pastoral ministry for almost 19 years, time and time again, church after church, moment after moment, camp after camp, retreat after retreat, we keep running into people, we keep running into each other, where people are discouraged, where they're, they're hanging their head low, thinking that they've ruined everything with God. And the reality is, if Jesus Christ is truly your Savior and Lord, your identity hasn't changed Maybe uh, you've walked a little bit away, but like the prodigal son, you can come back, and as you do, Jesus is going to scoop you into his arms. He's going to do it anyways, whether you're walking closely with him or you've gone astray. Jesus wants to scoop you in your arms. He wants to look you in the eyes, and he wants to say, I love you, my beloved. Come and walk with me. John keeps going here in these next verses, and he presents to us a choice to walk with Jesus daily. A couple of summers ago, we were uh, in the Okanagan, my family now, and we were in a different part of the Okanagan. We were in central Okanagan, and the kids were swimming in the pool, and it was like 35 degrees, and it was glorious. 
tell you a really quick story I hadn't planned to tell, but it happened in these moments. We went to an orchard the one day, Painter's Market in West Kelowna, and we took some pictures, and Claire really wanted to pick a peach, and as we were picking peaches, Jade and my son reached down, and he thought it'd be funny to throw a peach and have it explode on my back. What he didn't realize was that the peach was still really green. And so he wound up literally like this, and he threw the peach at my back, and as it hit me in the back, I dropped to my knees. It was like getting hit with a stone. (laughs) But it was what I needed to come back into the moment. For so much of that week, as the kids were swimming in the pool, or as Rolno was, you know, next to me on a deck chair, or whatever the case might be, my, my nose was buried into my phone. I was distracted. And I I had a choice that week to put my device away. But selfishly, I just kept indulging into the mindless rhythms of Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. I think what John is going to present to us here next is that so often in life, when it comes to our relationship with God and with each other, we're given a choice. We can daily lay ourselves aside, we can, we can, and, and we can daily pick up our cross and follow God. Look what he says here, back to verse 5. He says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out of the truth. But if we walk in the light, verse 7, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Christ, his son, purifies us from all sin. John is confronting a community that is divided in their beliefs. For some, they said that they loved Jesus and they they chose to walk with him daily. They submitted to him. They obeyed him as the Holy Spirit prompted them. Um, They they heard those promptings and they moved forward with it. And for others, they, they confessed Christ. They said that they were Christians, but they continued to live with whatever indulgences they wanted. And John, in his wisdom as a leader in the early church, looked at what was taking place and he couldn't let it happen anymore. He could see the consequences of this, the breakdown of relationships, the discouragement, the disappointment, the exhaustion, the the weariness that was coming to the church and all of it. He's saying to them, guys, Jesus is something more for you. It's going to take some sacrifice. But if you can live into this, I promise what's going to come on the other side of, of being obedient to the Holy Spirit Is going to be a unity and a fellowship with Jesus, but also a refreshment in God that won't come if you choose to live for yourself. And I think this is a powerful message for us here today. Because as we are are, um, faced with a choice coming into this summer, I believe that God has something more for us. There's so many people in our culture today who are distracted on their devices. There are so many uh, people in this world who've been misled by a message that you can do and you can say and you can be whoever you want and the consequences don't matter anymore. Instead, what I think John is saying and what Jesus is saying through this text to the early church and to us is that you have a choice, that Jesus has a better way. And that choice is going to lead you into more tender and to more unified and into better fellowship with the Father. And it's also going to lead to spots of refreshment and renewal and blessing that never would have come had we chosen to live for ourselves. It comes in a daily submission to the Almighty God. 
It's the understanding that the Holy Spirit will show up and will help us to step forward in life and will, and will show us day in and day out where he wants us to do business. It means that as God lays things on our heart through the Holy Spirit, that we're going to submit to them and we're going to choose to say yes, even if it comes at the cost of our reputation or our comfort or anything else. I loved in Hope's story that God spoke to her. It's a little, uh, a, a young lady who can hear the voice of God and as God spoke to her, her answer was, yes, Lord. And similarly in life, I think God presents us with opportunities to choose to say yes to him. And sometimes we're a fool for doing so. There's been so many times in my life when God has presented me with a choice and when I've said yes, it's like, really, God, this is what you want me to do? I've had to go to people and ask for forgiveness. And I'm like, God, I was like 49% of the problem. They're 51% at fault or 70% or 80%. Or God said to me, I want you to give generously to this cause. And it's like, God, we hardly have money to put food on the table. And he's like, just trust me. There was a season of my life where God wanted to address what was coming out of my mouth. There was a season of life, many seasons of life, where God has wanted to address the things that I'm putting into my mind. It's a, it's a journey of holiness. It's a journey of saying yes to God. It's a journey of laying aside my selfish ambitions and my selfish indulgences and choosing to walk the holy path that God has selected for me. And friends, I'm gonna say, and I hope my, my heart isn't to offend anybody, but as we come into this summer season, I believe in a fresh way we are being presented with a choice to walk closely with God again. And here's, here's the, the consequence or here's the benefit of what that's going to do. As people who really need a, a time of refreshment, as people who really need encouragement for the soul, more refreshment is going to come. More life is going to be given. The dead will come alive when they walk closely with God rather than pursuing another opportunity to selfishly indulge in the pleasures of this world. Theologians call this experiential sanctification. It's the daily choice to, to, to uh, walk more closely with Jesus. It's the ongoing process of the Holy Spirit in us to help us to look and be more like Jesus Christ himself. It's a daily surrender to step into the life that God has for us and the blessing that comes out of it is that more and more we're going to look like Jesus and more and more we're going to be uplifted and refreshed and renewed and restored to the person that God designed us to be. In Deuteronomy 25, when Moses was standing before the Israelites, they had repented and they were about to be restored. And he says to them in verse 19, these words, he says, This day I called the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. In other words, they have a choice. He said, Now choose life so that you and your children may live and you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And for so many of us here this morning, for so many of us here in this world, I think there's an opportunity, there's a calling in front of us to choose life in a fresh way to walk closely with Jesus again, to get up in the morning and say, I'm going to indulge in the, world, in the word before I indulge in the world. 
It's an invitation that he's making to you, and it's an invitation that he's making to me. And I believe that as we step into this, into this opportunity, into this choice, into this calling that God is putting before us, we're going to discover that at the end of summer, well, summer might not look vastly different on the outside. It will be powerfully different for us on the inside. This morning, I believe we have a choice to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. And as we do, the invitation and the reality being presented to us is that we will experience the refreshment of God. And we will walk into the deeper and more tender places that he has for us as we daily surrender to him. Summers of old were always filled with great things. Good friends, good company, sweet watermelon, ripe peaches. And I think that God has a special gift for us this summer. So we've come together this morning in a fresh way, or in a a desire to be together as one church for this next season. As refreshing as it was to see the kids on the stage, as refreshing as it was to sing these songs, as refreshing as it's been and encouraging it's been to see a great testimony and, and to see one of our young people get baptized. I believe that this is just a taste of what God has for us next. And I want to invite you into the deeper places of choosing to walk with Jesus daily. A good friend of mine, Julian Hunter, who's here in the front row, told me recently that repentance is always hard, but as hard as it is, it's always beautiful. And as God prompts us and as he stirs in us and as he leads us forward to do business with him and in this world, as we repent and as we get right with him and with each other again, it's hard work. But friends, it's worthwhile work because what comes on the other side is always more beautiful than than where we've come from. Let me say one last thing as we start to wrap this up here. And it's not a long point. I'm just going to summarize it quickly. There's something that's said at the end of this text that I think is important. He says um, in verse 2, he is the atoning sacrifice, in chapter 2, verse 2, he's the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of this world. And I want to say to us that when we, when we live in this way, it not only is going to impact, when we choose to walk daily with God and, and, and live a holy life, it's not only going to impact our lives, but it's going to stir other lives around us too. Last week, as Pastor Scott was with us up in St. Albert, he laid hands on our incoming district superintendent. His name is Doc, Reverend Dr. Matt Boda. And as he laid hands on Matt, he just prayed. He said, help our brother to live a holy life. And where that came from was something that Scott's colleagues said to him years ago up in Calgary when he pastored up there. He said, the best gift that you can give to your people in pastoral ministry is a holy life. And similarly, when we walk closely with Jesus, when we choose to submit and obey him daily, when we walk a holy, righteous walk with the almighty God of the universe, the best gift we give to our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends, the best gift we give to people who we love and want to see walk themselves with Jesus is to live a holy life. It creates a beautiful tension. It creates a beautiful opportunity where they're going to be the ones came, coming to us and saying, these days are hard, but you're different. And can you tell me what that's all about? This just happened to me a couple of months ago. Somebody came to me, a friend of mine, and he says, how do you do it? And I said, really? 
He said, yeah, how do you do it? And I said, okay, well, here we go. It's Jesus. He's the one that makes all the difference. Friends, I think that not only is it our calling to walk closely with Jesus and to live a holy life, but it's also our responsibility. And as we live in a, in a part of the world that has its challenges, I believe that there's an opportunity for us to shine a light for God that's going to be really important in this season to come. So we start to wind things down here this morning. One of the things we're going to do is gather around the communion table. And I can think of no better place to say yes to God than coming to this table in a fresh way, holding our hands and our hearts open and saying, yes, Lord, I'm going to choose you as we step into this next season. So we're going to invite the communion uh, stewards to come forward, the elders, and as they come forward, uh, what we're going to do this morning is uh, probably somewhat familiar, but a little different too. Rather than me speak more words, I'm going to just invite you to do business with God. And as we distribute these elements, I'm, there's just going to be some quiet moments where you can pray, and maybe for you, you can say, um, like the old song, Lord, today I choose to follow you. And you can choose that in this next season, you're going to make a renewed effort. You're going to make a renewed commitment that you will say yes to Jesus, that you'll submit to him, you'll obey the Holy Spirit. And as you do so, you can live with expectation and hope that this next season will be one of refreshing and blessing and renewal as you once again embrace your identity and walk more closely with him. So we're going to invite uh, our communion stewards to distribute the bread, and as they do, I'm going to, there's going to be some quiet moments here. We're not even going to put music on, tech team. We're just going to be quiet and still and listen to the hum of the air conditioner. And you can do business with God, and when I sense the time is right, we're going to pray for the elements and we'll receive, or the bread and we'll receive it together. Then we're going to have a few more moments where we will just be quiet and reflect and pray. And then when the time is right, we'll partake of the juice together and pray. So can we declare a holy moment? Can we spend some time with Jesus? And can I invite you? There's an opportunity here for us to choose to walk with God in a fresh way. We're going to invite our uh, communion stewards to start distributing the bread. And in a moment, I'll pray for us. Let's take some time with Jesus together. Can I invite you to bow your head with me? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, in the stillness of these moments, we thank you and praise you, Lord Jesus, that our identity was secured through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Lord, we thank you that the body of Christ was broken. And while it was brutal, Lord Jesus, we know that the curse of sin was defeated and that we could live as holy, righteous people. We could live in the freedom and the identity. We could embrace the choice that we have to receive Jesus as our Savior and Lord and live in the victory of that. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you paid the ultimate price. And now as we eat this bread, I pray that you would remind us afresh and remind us anew of the price that was paid and the gift that was given, eternal life, the Holy Spirit, fellowship with the Almighty God of the universe, and a filling and a blessing where we were declared holy. Lord Jesus, we love you and we praise you, and we receive this bread in Jesus' name. The body of Christ broken for you. Let's participate together. Let's pray together, church. Oh, Lord Jesus, we love you.
We thank you that you endured something that we really deserved, but you took our place. Lord Jesus, we remember your sacrifice on the cross, and we praise you for it. We thank you for the blood that was poured out that declared us as, as the holy, radiant, white bride, righteous and holy, the one in whom you take great delight and great joy. You're so proud of, you love so much. You've empowered and you equipped. Lord Jesus, as we drink this cup, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for the blood that was poured out. And we worship and we praise you now in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. The blood of Christ poured out for us. Let's partake together.